0: Howdy, howdy. Listeners of the Calvary Cast, coming at you on a Wednesday afternoon, episode 112. I'm Graham, and he is Jess. How you doing?
1: Are you asking the audience, or are you asking me?
0: Well, since the audience is not here, you can stand in for them. How does that sound?
1: All right. Well, doing good. Good. Drinking your coffee
0: drinking coffee it is hot but still uh, the podcast gets better i think yeah. when we have coffee
1: i really think your coffee has a kick to it what do you
0: mean by a kick to
1: it i well when i drink your coffee mm-hmm. i it makes me feel like it has something going on like you know a, <laughs> Caffeine like ca- or something, ca- caffeinated. Yeah, it's
0: probably because it's lighter roasted than maybe the stuff you drink.
1: Right. So I've heard that the lighter roast, and it's actually counterintuitive. But lighter the roast, the more the caffeine. The more caffeine. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's that's typically. I I think I've watched a video or read something like there's a lot of science behind coffee and, but uh, yeah, I'll find it. I'll send it to you. Lighter roast. So like when you get like the coffee, like this is the darkest, most extreme coffee in the world. It'll make you stay up all night. Well. Maybe not. Just a light roast Kenyan.
1: I do like a more robust coffee in the morning just because of the, you know, maybe not so much the caffeine but like the
0: you just want it like and when you're saying robust strong. you mean yeah. dark and yeah. strong. Yeah,
1: I don't like a real sweet coffee in the morning like I don't But put you put creamer or, in it. A little bit but not a lot cuz I don't want it like super sweet or anything cuz I still want it to have a little bit of coffee kick to it.
0: See now and this is so when I think about like I'm not thinking about robust or dark. I want to taste it. Like mm-hmm. I want to taste lots of things in it. Right. Right. And so.
1: Well, your coffee is very flavorful, and I'm well, I'm on it now well, with no creamer. Wow. No, I haven't. The last couple times. <laughs> Long button.
0: <laughs> I was gonna find a clapping button, but I don't have
1: it. So. Find an applause. No, yeah, I have found that I enjoy your coffee without creamer. Well,
0: good. This is a good. We are making progress. I have yeah. a couple of goals in life. To make people Christians, well, I can't make them Christians, but to, you know, tell people about mm-hmm, Jesus, mm-hmm. make them Nebraska Cornhusker fans, and to enjoy good coffee.
1: Hmm. Well, you got somebody enjoying oh. your coffee. All right. Next, Nebraska Cornhusker fans. Yeah, sure.
0: <laughs> Do you even know what I'm talking about?
1: Uh, well, I'm ass- your, your college football college team football that, that team. you like. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, there you yeah, go. Yeah, you want me to be a fan.
0: There you go. All right. Uh, that's all the banter I have for today. Yeah. I'm not very bantery. We're ready. Let's get into uh, our thing. (laughs) Topic of the day. We are returning again to our series on Stephen Charnock's book, The Existence and Attributes of God, specifically his book within the book on the goodness of God. And we have, people can't see it, but these beautiful Leather bound books,
1: yep. new editions. New editions
0: this. from our sponsor, Crossway. Yeah, <laughs> and by that I mean we sponsor, we, <laughs> we sponsor <laughs> Crossway by buying these books from them. There you go. So uh, and uh, yeah, so thank you to Crossway for sending us books in. Exchange yeah, for right. money. In, in exchange for money, all we had
1: to do was give them money, <laughs> so, and they sent us these beautiful books. <laughs> so, if anybody has a
0: has an in with Crossway and they want to sponsor our podcast, <laughs> right. we'll be like, sure, we we buy your books. We, I mean, at some point, actually, that
1: could be. One we reason. have bought
0: a lot of books from Crossway for this church. Yeah, and I think like we should, you know. I know. Well, I mean, psh.
1: Crossway's. I mean seems like they're doing good work. I mean, they're doing good work. And I'm always excited about what they're putting out. So, yeah. I, And we'll see stuff like this and yes. think, wow, this is good.
0: So anyway, but we have this beautiful, beautiful books that look good on our shelves and have good content in them. Mm-hmm. And uh, so what are we talking about today in this section about the goodness of God?
1: Well... The first heading is that God <laughs> is good again, and the <laughs> it sounds like we've talked about this before, <laughs> right? But now he's going to go in a little different direction after two general statements about God being good, and that's where we'll hone in on. After that, which is, he's going to give a defense of God's goodness. Mm. It's like an apologetic, right? Yeah, which Sharnock seems to be somewhat of an apologist. I mean, yes, he his, does. I have not read the ex, the beginning parts of these volumes about mm-hmm. God's existence and, and that. Mm-hmm. But he does seem to want to give defense. Like as he sits and thinks about these things, he thinks about what either objections mm-hmm. or what some are saying about God. And we know God's goodness is something that as people observe the world around them and its fallenness and brokenness and evil, right, the question of God's goodness comes into their right. mind.
0: And so they'd be like, and so that's where he's making this argument. No, God is good. Yeah. In in against all the arguments you think that exist, that He's not good. No, He's right. truly good.
1: Yeah, in a, in his Purita- puritanical way, he says God's good. Deal with it. <laughs> yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. Except he adds like seven thousand more words. Exactly. And it's The like, longest. Like I just summarized, it, but it at, puts Paul's sentence structure to shame yeah in that way so it's uh, this defense of the goodness of god is apologetic but it's also practical for believers because uh you know we all fa- question the goodness of god especially in the difficulty of life suffering happens yes. things like that and we go is god really good right and so so to be uh reaffirmed and taught that god truly is good is mm-hmm. really essential
1: because if he is good he can be trusted exactly and um and i think this is where people all of us everyone struggles in hard times especially or looking out at a world that there's many things that are not good mm-hmm. things that seem unjust um and you just see tragedy all around the question of god's goodness comes into mind and then can we trust him yeah you know is is what he's doing right or we're good. So,
0: and along that same line, I, and this he makes towards the end of this chapter is it, it really helps us understand more the character of God, mm-hmm. right? And changes wrong views of God, especially the notion that God is just an angry guy in the sky right, ready right. to strike us down at a moment's notice. Yes. No. When you really understand the goodness of God, you understand His character. You understand yeah. him more fully. Yeah. Um, okay. So should we jump into this a little bit?
1: Yeah, we should.
0: So he makes, we won't spend any time on this, but he makes two initial points at in the beginning. He just says, the more excellent a thing, the more goodness it has. So God is the most excellent, is the most good. That's kind of restating what he st- said right. in the last. And it,
1: like the idea, part of the idea is like, if you can see goodness in mm-hmm. the world, the, and you can, in any creature or yep. anything that is made, that would reflect the supreme goodness of the one who made it. Yes. Or you know, whatever it is. So there's that it reflects a goodness. Of God, I will. Let me just draw this out, though, is because as I was thinking about this, um, all good things in our lives are designed to reflect the goodness of God mm. and. Therefore, we're supposed to be thankful to him and and praise and worship Him, hmm. and in Romans one we learned that even though God did create all things and they knew He did, yeah. they didn't want Him. And Paul actually makes a comment: nor were they thankful. They did not honor Him as God, nor were they thankful. And I don't know. I guess that just hit me in the last week or two as we were go as I've been reading this. It's kind of what word would I use? Almost sad. Mm -hmm. Like if you love the Lord, right? And you think about how his, uh, goodness is rejected when his intention is to be good Mm -hmm. in his creation and to show forth his goodness and Mm -hmm. to share his goodness Mm -hmm. and to be gloried in for his goodness. And that to be rejected. Am I thinking of like in that way of thinking about like that's sad. Like it, It it grieves. It it's grievous to think about that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't have anything to add to it, but I get the point that you're making and I think it's a good point.
1: Yeah. It's um You're missing out
0: on the enjoyment of good things. Yeah. Right. Can I phrase it that way? Yeah.
1: And you're and and we're not giving uh, credit where credit is due when God mm-hmm. is not glorified or thanked. And yeah. so, but when we can see God and, and he makes the argument that he must be the supreme good. Yes. Then
0: Yeah. Yeah. He does. And I said, we'd spend no time on this and we spent time on it because it's a fascinating point, but he makes this, this point that if anything else is good in and of itself, yeah. like it has inherent goodness in it. Right. Uh, he says, then that thing has to be a God. Right. Because only God is eternally, self-existently good.
1: Yeah, and it really, this goes well with what we talked about last time in that God's goodness um, moves him to display that goodness and share that good. It's a diffusive, he calls it, a diffusive goodness, right? And he's shown that. And then I'll make this one last thing because I highlighted this, where he says, when we search for good in creatures, they come short of that satisfaction yeah. that is in God. And to me, that's like a warning, like, because our tendency as human beings, again, Romans one is to, to latch to the goodness in the creature. Right. And not the creator. Right. To f- try to find all of our soul satisfaction and glory and worship in something or someone mm-hmm. here mm-hmm. in the goodness that is designed to reflect god yeah and so um and it always comes up short It, uh the things of this world cannot satisfy only when we enjoy the things of this world in light of and for the glory of the one who gave it
0: yeah okay so those are the two kind of uh broad points he makes and then he moves into his real argument which is to defend the goodness of god and he makes this first point and we can talk about this one because i think it's really it's kind of Pretty foundational. He says, God's goodness is not impaired by sin, suffering, and the fall of man. So the question would be, why not? Uh, do you, do we want to discuss this a little bit? Um, or I'll, I'll I'll kind of intro into it. So he makes this point that God gave man the ability to be happy. And here, you got to help me think through this, because this was pretty, like, interesting stuff. And w- in creation, Adam did have a free will. And when we talk about... Mm-hmm is man's will free or not? Adam did, yeah, right? After the fall, of course, that will is in bondage to sin. So Adam, we could say, is the only one who ever had a free will. Mm -hmm. Now, Charnock's argument seems to be this, that God's goodness furnished Adam with a power to stand, and then he says, was it contrary to his goodness to leave Adam to a free use of that power? So he seems to be saying, you cannot say that God is not good because he allowed a free creature to act according to its liberty.
1: Is that what he's saying? It seems to be okay, you know, and um that he left him in this situation where he could choose mm-hmm. in that way uh reflects his goodness mm-hmm. like that was the good way to do it right right um, and i but to me, like what ends up, the main point that I think is helpful to me out of this, mm-hmm. is he says God was first a benefactor to man yes. before man could be a rebel right. against God. Right. Because in the end, you couldn't... How can you charge God? How can you question God's goodness? Because right. he creates man free, yes, right. but bestows him with his goodness and his image and then all the goodness of the world that he would, could enjoy. Yep. If even though he left man capable of choosing, yeah. man chooses against God that doesn't bring into question the goodness of God, the goodness of God. Right. Right. That to me, you can't blame God for mankind's rebellion Mm -hmm. against him. Mm -hmm. You you can't bring into question his goodness for that. Right. I think that's kind of, because he
0: was first a benefactor. Right.
1: And he does make a a deal about this with the angels and with Mm -hmm. human beings. Like it was good of God to give them that Mm -hmm. free choice. Um that raises questions in my right. mind about other things and that, but... Yeah, uh, and
0: I got a little bit into the weeds on that, but right. I think the point that you're saying, though, is the main point to take away, though, that, that God was first a, was a benefactor of goodness to them before they fell.
1: That's right. Right. That's right.
0: So it's it's a, it's an interesting, interesting point. Uh, and then he makes this, this other point, and this one we don't have to go into all the details in here, but God's goodness is not prejudiced by making all things equal subjects of it. Right. So the broad point mean, seems to be that you can't say God isn't good because not everyone experiences
1: the goodness of God in the same way. That's where he eventually goes, right?
0: I think that's kind of where he's... Largely, that's kind of the whole... But point.
1: even he, he goes into the details of creation and, and is like, it's good that God made a pebble a pebble. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Even though it doesn't have as much goodness right. as a rational creature. Right, exactly. does. And he, he, he ends up bringing out the point that when you think about God's good creation, um, everything has its place. Well,
0: that's his point. He says, the goodness of God to creatures is to be measured by their distinct usefulness to the common end. Right. right. That's, the, that's the point. Like, everything serves a purpose in God's design and the creation. So he makes a statement, I think is really good. It were better for a toad or a serpent to be a man— that is better for the creature itself if it were advanced to a higher degree of being, but not for the universe. Right. Right. So in God's design, there's a reason a toad is a toad and not yes. a man. Yes. And you can't say that that uh, God not being equal and making every person yes <laughs> a person right everything a person yeah that God's not good
1: it would be chaos. Yeah. And it, because think about if toads had the same intellect that human beings do, I mean, these it, it becomes almost absurd. But right. what he's showing is. And where well, what stuck out to me is the goodness of the created order. Yeah. Okay. Yes. It's it's the goodness of the created order, yep. and and how things fit together and their usefulness to the common end. Yep. But I I couldn't help but think uh, reflect on um, Genesis one and the creation itself. Mm-hmm. There is a uniqueness mm. in God's bestowal of goodness upon human beings mm-hmm. in that they're created in His image which means a plethora of things, but not the least of which mankind would be, well, first of all, given this opportunity to know God Mm -hmm. in a way other creatures don't. Yes. And, but secondly, in connection with what he's saying, mankind was given the dominion, the dominion mandate Mm -hmm. over creation. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and therefore, Uh, He made us with an extra uh, bit of His goodness, is how I'm thinking through this. And then we are to then exercise that goodness of God over His creation, that dominion mandate. So, I don't know. I'm thinking about it,
0: It's an interesting, interesting point. One other point I thought was really fascinating here, and it's really, it's a pretty, like, straightforward point he's like god ought to be allowed the free disposal of his own goodness right and basically saying god is god why is he not free to show some more goodness and love on certain things than in others yes right it's the right. Uh, will the will the clay say to the potter why have you made me this way right yeah. like are you really going to question god's free choosing to dispense goodness right. as he sees his
1: goodness is f- uh he's free and bestowing yeah. his goodness yeah. and he says um the freedom of divine goodness, which is the glory of yeah.
0: it. Well, and the other thing that he says with that, too, is that if it wasn't free, then, and he was compelled, right. if he showed the same, then it would be like he was compelled to show his goodness, Yeah, and it's not free anymore.
1: And this helps us, like, when we think about, you know, even, let's say just in the church, right? In the church, you have some people who have wonderful health that lasts mm. them into the late, their late 90s, mm-hmm. Um And others who are stricken with cancers and diseases or whatever very early. You have um, some who've been given uh, marriage and a spouse and others who have not. You have some children and uh, not, given children and not, or money, finances or whatever. God is free in bestowing Mm -hmm. his goodness Mm -hmm. in those ways, in any way he chooses. And we are taught to be grateful and content mm-hmm. and trust that it's his goodness is working everything in our lives, what we have or don't have for our eternal goodness yeah. and his glory. It's,
0: it, it, and I think he makes the point later when he's talking about the role of providence and God's displaying of his goodness. But when you're saying things like that, I think too about when we talk about spiritual gifts, we have to think about, you know, that was it in first Corinthians, uh, 12 The passage with the, the body. Uh, we think about God dis- dispensing different gifts for the whole common good of the body, but even could we say that dispensing of various aspects of goodness yeah. would not be kind of the same, too? Right? It's for the common good, right? It is for building up and yes. all of these things. So,
1: yeah, because in, in Corinth, they were, and I've been looking at that uh, letter quite a bit, first mm-hmm. Corinthians, but. They were being given gifts by the sovereignty of his will, by Mm -hmm. the sovereign spirit, uh, giving the gifts out as he sees fit. And there was jealousies over the giftings. Yeah. Right? And that's not supposed to be. It's the whole body. Every part is useful. Yep. And God displays those gifts as he sees fit for the common good. Yeah.
0: Okay. So then this leads into, I think, he has a, another point and a whole bunch of subpoints under it and i think this is some fascinating stuff so he says uh, the severe punishment of offenders and the afflictions he afflicts upon his servants are no violations of his goodness so here he's asking the dealing with how do we see that God punishes or is wrathful or brings judgment. And that's not a violation of his goodness. And he has several sub points. So I think it's pretty crucial. First of all, he makes this uh, this argument, which I think is good. He says punishments themselves are not a moral even evil in the person who inflicts them. Right? So, like, you think about, it, is the government morally evil for punishing lawbreakers? No. Right, right. They're not. Uh, So he goes on to say punishments are a natural evil in the person who suffers them. Right. So it's like this is the natural response for.
1: Yeah. And he's addressing this concern that people have like in his punishment. If God is good, why does he punish evil? Right. And but they will apply that question to God. But what he does is a good job is bringing it down to the human level and saying you wouldn't even do that to a human judge. You would expect them. Yes. To dole out the punishment yes. for evil. Yep. And that it is actually the doling out of the punishment that is the good. Yes. If that's what he if says. a judge didn't do that, it wouldn't be good. And same with God, if he didn't dole out punishment for violation of his good laws, mm-hmm. he wouldn't be good. Right. So he does this out of his goodness, right. the goodness is of his being.
0: Yeah. Uh, his his goodness in punishing evil keeps evil from being perpetuated. So it's interesting that way.
1: Yeah, the justice of God is a part of the goodness of his nature. Mm -hmm. It was interesting uh, when he he dealt with Exodus 33, just briefly mentioned it here, in Moses. And he told Moses, uh, Moses said, let me see your glory. And God says, I can't show you my glory, you know, but I can make all my goodness pass before you. And the first part of that... um, in Exodus 33, there we really love, right? Where he talks about his um, his faithfulness, his uh, long-suffering. I'm just pulling up the passage now. Um, good radio right here. Yeah, good radio. Gives you time uh, to find
0: it in your own Bible, Exodus
1: 33. 33 uh, is it actually 30, 34. 34. Verse 7. Verse 7. So, um, the Lord, the Lord... Passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Now, keep in mind, this is the goodness he said would pass before him. And it was a proclamation of his name and who he is. Right. And so it starts out with these things that we would commonly think of as good. So we think of the goodness of God. What are we often thinking about? His mercy, his grace, his patience, his steadfast love, his faithfulness. We would all agree those are wonderful things. His keeping love for thousands or forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. And so we think about all those things. Yeah, that's the goodness of God, mercy and forgiveness and grace. But where people stumble is in verse seven there in Exodus 34, where he says, um, but who will by no means clear the guilty? Mm. His goodness is part of his goodness is that he will by no means clear the guilty. He visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children of the third and fourth generation um, as they continue to rebel and sin against him Is the idea there. But the simple fact of the matter is it is that the goodness of God that uh, means he will punish evil. If we were to take that out, he would not be in his essence good is yeah. what you're yeah.
0: saying. Yeah. You, you think about like uh, people that want to deny God's judgment, his uh right to condemn people to hell forever, like we want right. to do be a universalist. Right. Like who who what kind of God is that? Yeah. Yeah. I I that's I I a question that I I ask in that sense. So. Yeah,
1: well they and he talks about the goodness without justice would be impotent indulgence mm. and cast things into mm. f- confusion. Mm. And so um, the the punishment is absolutely necessary to his to his nature. And the fact is, when you look at the gospel, how amazing this is, that in the goodness of God, he sends his son mm-hmm. who pays the penalty for sinners and those who trust in him. He, re, you know, can be redeemed out, saved, mm-hmm. forgiven, uh, just displays his his goodness. He does get into that. Like you mentioned about the eternal punishment thing. Mm. And well, I don't know if you're going to before that. we
0: know yeah. in this same section or later on,
1: I think it's a little bit later.
0: On. Well, in the same section, I thought he and one other point that I thought was really interesting just talking about the justice of God being part of the goodness of his nature. When you put this in the context of creation, God creates creation and it's very mm-hmm. good. Um, And so he says, God's goodness is seen in the preservation of human society, and that it requires him to exercise his justice. So he says this, how can God sustain the part of a good and righteous judge if he did not preserve human society? And how would it be preserved without manifesting himself by public judgments against public wrongs? So again, it would be incongruent with the character of God to create a good world and then not do the things necessary. Yeah in order to preserve that
1: yeah yeah and you think about even the way as uh the world has progressed and the nations that have arisen with um military might Mm -hmm. and with like the united states with some kind of foundational moral Mm -hmm. governance Mm -hmm. right that doesn't just let the right. tyrannical nations do whatever they want to do to mm-hmm. whomever we want mm-hmm. they want to do it i mean there is something to the western world that was christianized right that has brought where the, where the world where the western world watches things and says that's not right what they're doing mm-hmm. this particular nation over here it, you can't have empires anymore like you used to be able to have mm-hmm. in the sense of hey let's just expand our borders right. by taking <laughs> over other countries right, right. and so there's goodness and that was right. a lot of that has resulted in uh judeo-christian oh, values right. that come from the bible right Right. human flourishing in that way yes. where
0: life is preserved and, yep. and judgment is actually doled out and yep. wrongs are.
1: Well, yeah. maybe the post-millennials are right.
0: Maybe. No. No. <laughs> 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 uh, okay. Uh, one final thought on this though, because I think this is really important too. He says impunity of the guilty person is worse than any punishment. And so when we talk about God's judgment, sometimes God's judgment is Romans one, letting hmm. people, have the full extent of their sin. And that's the worst form of judgment. Right. Yeah. So,
1: and, uh, he brings up the, another, one other point in that, and that is in this section, I think, but the idea of hell Mm -hmm. being eternal punishment, he, he alludes to the point that when, when a sinner is put into hell, they brought themselves to that position And it's right of God to punish them. And as long as they were to remain in that position of rebellion against God and were sinners in and of themselves, they should continue to be punished. Mm. And that's what happens. If that goes on, he brings that out. If that goes on forever, then God as a good God would forever punish, which, of course, it does. Because one of the misconceptions about hell is that it's filled with repentant people. Yes. Who, if they just had our chance, they would repent or they're repentant. They're actually... When we see even in the book of Revelation, God's wrath being poured out on human beings, they know it's his wrath and they get more angry at him and they Mm. refuse to repent. And Mm. the idea even in hell is that there is no repentance in hell. Mm. And therefore, it is fitting of a good God for the punishment to be continual. Yeah. Because the sinful rebellion is continual.
0: Mm. Um. The next point I thought was interesting in this section is, and we talked about this earlier before the podcast, but the punishment is not the primary intention of God. Right. I think that's fascinating. He he uses the language that comes from Isaiah 28, calling wrath God's strange act or his alien, what does it call, his alien works, I think is how it's also um, translated. And his, his point is that God's first intention is creator, Right, thereby manifesting his goodness in his creation. And his principal intention of his law was to encourage goodness. So this idea of punishment is not his primary intention. I think fascinating.
1: It's fascinating, and it's something we really need to think about. He does not act against the nature of his goodness when he executes wrath, but against the first intention of his goodness in his precepts, which was to reward if we think about the order of things god creates and when he creates everything is very good he's bestowing blessing mm-hmm. then sin comes in then punishment mm-hmm. his good intention first is to, to be to do good right and to to bestow blessing and you know of course he brings out the fact that in in Ezekiel thirty three eleven he delights not in the death of a sinner. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lamentations three thirty three he does not afflict willingly nor grieve the children of men. Yeah, this is not something God enjoys doing. It's a necessary part of his, who He is, right? In His goodness and justice, that He punishes, but He would rather save. Mm you know he even brings that out like jesus weeping yes. over jerusalem right yep. Yep. or or even telling the jews that were rejecting him at that time jesus saying you won't come to me yep. so that you can have life right. yes. it it's a des, it's a real desire of god to save sinners hmm. And uh you know how how often the Lord says, "If I held out my arms to an obstinate yes. people, yep. um let us reason together, mm-hmm. come, let us reason together, lo, your your sins be as scarlet, they can be as white as snow, mm-hmm. like why let's reason this through yeah. like I'm forget, I'll forgive, and I'll change and I'll cleanse and I'll restore, and it it just shows the hardness of the human heart, yeah,
0: and it's this this point, I think, that goes to what we were saying in the beginning. That it changes our view of God, that God is not this angry guy in the sky ready to strike yes. people dead yeah. all the time. Uh, it is his strange work. Yeah. But it's not—and the, and the whole point, though, that Charnock is making here is it's not inconsistent with his nature, though. Right. right. His nature is goodness, but it's also not wrong for him to punish and to bring judgment. That That's also right. is consistent That's with his right. nature. So— Okay, uh then he he's makes this statement judgments in the world have a goodness in them and he makes two points which I think are helpful to to touch on. He says first it's a goodness in their preparations and secondly it's a goodness in the execution of them. And when he talks about the goodness in their preparations, uh what he means by this is that God doesn't send a punishment or a judgment without a warning first. Mm. And and I think that that's really helpful to remo- to remember. Uh you know, you think about the nation of Israel again, over and over. <laughs> and Jesus did the, like the passage you just mentioned, warning the nation of Israel. I was thinking about um, what Paul quotes in Romans 10 from Isaiah 65. I was ready to be sought by those who did not ask for me. I was ready to be found by those who did not seek me. I said, here I am, here I am to a nation that was not called by my name. I spread out my hands all the day to a rebellious people who walk in a way that is not good following their own devices. Mm. You know, the Lord sends prophets over and over to them, and yet the people reject the Lord's goodness, (laughs) you know, and the word of the Lord. So when he brings his judgment, there's a goodness in it that it's been prepared. Right. The second thing, then, is the goodness in the execution of them. In this whole point, I think he's just saying that it maintains the character and holiness and goodness of God. And, And when God brings judgments on the world it curbs sin and it keeps men aware that god is in the world and there is a god to whom they're accountable so good do you have other thoughts on that
1: no i don't i think that's uh, yeah that's okay
0: good. should we touch on the last last point then yes okay uh so his final point that he makes his big point is that the afflictions god inflicts upon his servants are no violations of his goodness so here he's now getting to right. Suffering in In the Christian Christian life. life, Yep. What do you think about that?
1: I think that's, this (laughs) is really, I think it's true, right? Obviously. Um, And one of the things that we are taught in the New Testament very clearly and other places of scripture, even in the Old Testament, but that uh, bad things happen to his people, Yep. that they are under his divine sovereignty and control and direction and will. And that um, they are good for us and bring glory to him. Yep, It gives us, uh, it, it makes us dependent on him. It grows us in all of the Christian attributes. And so it isn't a violation of his goodness. It's actually a display of his goodness for to us in this world.
0: Yeah. He says, uh, just talking about why God allows these things, he says, By strong persecutions brought upon the church, her lethargy is cured. Her chaff purged, the glorious fruit of the gospel brought forth in the lives of her children. The number of her proselytes multiply, and the strength of her weak ones is increased by the testimonies of courage and constancy that the stronger present to them in their suffering. Do those good effects speak a lack of goodness in God who brings them into this condition? By those, he cures his people of their corruptions, promotes their glory by giving them the honor of suffering for the truth, and raises their spirits to a divine pitch.
1: Yeah. It's um, it's used for his good t- purposes. Romans 8, all things work together for good yeah. for those who love God.
0: So that is The Defense of the Goodness of God by Stephen Charnock. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, thank you for listening to the podcast today. We pray our conversation has served well the people at Calvary Bible Church in Grand Junction. And whether you're a part of our church or not, we pray that you grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the podcast, consider giving us a review and a rating and sharing with your friends. Of course, only five-star ratings will be accepted. We love to hear from our listeners, so if you're a part of our church, you can just talk with us, send us a text or give us a call, or send us an email at thecalvarycast at gmail.com. Uh, Email us feedback, questions, or topics that you want us to tackle. We'd love to to hear from you. You can follow us on the socials, as the kids call it. Instagram and Twitter are the two places. We are at the Calvary cast. At Calvary, we exist for the glory of God, the good of his people, and the great commission. So until next time.